0: Let's get loud
1: Let's get loud, let's get loud Turn the music up, let's do it Come on people, let's get loud Yes, let's get loud I am here to tell you that together we are unstoppable during this season my goal is to provide you with stories from amazing women and business owners which will help you to adopt, grow and exercise that entrepreneurial spirit and mindset that already exists within you. I hope these stories allow you to learn, scale and become more resilient. I hope they can show you how to build your dreams and open doors. Remember that you already are exceptional. And you deserve to sit at any table you desire to be in. You were meant for greatness. So let's get loud. Own your today. Own your story. And let's build together a better tomorrow. Welcome everyone to another episode of Transcend With M. And with us today is Bevin Buckford. How are you doing, Bevin, today?
0: I am grateful to be here with you.
1: I am grateful to have you too, because we have a lot to talk about and I cannot wait for our audience to learn who you are, learn from you, um, and take a couple things that they can learn uh, and apply to their lives um, from today. And just a little, um, a little story. Bevan uh, and I have never met in person, but I did have the opportunity to see her speak at the She's Local conference in um, Metro West Framingham. Mm-hmm. And basically, I was so moved by her story that I had to send her a quick you know i don't know if it was an email i don't know if it was instagram i don't know what i did i don't remember i don't recall but all i said was thank you for sharing your story because it was something i i i really needed to hear and i said i got nothing to complain about right like it was it just, <laughs> just made me so grateful and 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 it just it was a click in my in my brain in my head that says, you know, you you gotta you're you're walking on clouds right now. You gotta be very, very grateful for what you have. So wow. the great thing is that Bevan replied and I did <laughs> that. And here we are today, you know. Um, so this is a big deal. This is a big, yeah. big deal. Um, oh. so Bevan, once again, welcome. And thank the- you more of the spotlight here I'm going to stay quiet for a little bit and I will let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your story
0: yeah thank you so much and for that beautiful welcome and I'm blushing over here for those of you who are listening (laughs) I'm blushing if you can't see my face um thank you uh it is my privilege and um yeah how about i just start by telling a story kind of at 10,000 feet and we'll just see where we where we take this exploration together um i i think parts of my story are are um very everyday and other parts of my story are um quite unique and i think that's what's really amazing about getting together to st- to share stories is that i think that it reveals our shared humanity and then also allows us to Um, dig into our uniqueness and so at the highest level who am I Um, you know I started out my adult life very very early very young um, because I got pregnant when I was 19 years old and uh, the world changes pretty quickly when you get pregnant at 19 years old and you're not quite married yet and um, and then if your father is a priest then you're not quite married yet Um, (laughs) life gets really interesting And um, and of course, I really at that point felt that that my only option moving forward and it was the right decision for me was to go ahead and get married and begin a family much earlier than I had anticipated. And so over the first course of my 10 years of adulthood, I had uh, four children in six years and completed my degree in a non-traditional way because full time student life was no longer an option when you have little babies running around at home. So, um, so really, I didn't start working until I was 30. And when you enter the workforce at 30 years old with a big giant zero empty space on your resume, it's actually a very difficult way to break into the professional world. There aren't a lot of doors that open up and say, oh, you have 10 years of experience <laughs> raising children, come, we really need you. That's not really how it works. <laughs> So um, I had to get creative and really think about where can I go? What's the industry that I can go to that quite honestly has low barriers to entry, right? So they weren't gonna throw up the, the, the blocker just because they didn't have anything on a resume. Where also once I came through the door, by grit, determination, drive, cook spa, I I could excel. There was a a high ceiling within that industry. There was a a lot of um, room for me to grow and expand. And what ended up happening was I was introduced to the world of real estate. And that was was very much a perfect match for me at the time because it really just hit all those check marks that I I thought that I needed. And so I I jumped in and and took to it and, and ended up building a very nice career in the world of real estate once um my he is now my ex-husband by the time my husband's career started to take us moving across the country i was no longer able to maintain a regular book of business it was luxury real estate sales um, and uh, I, I couldn't maintain that anymore because once you move you, you have to leave your clients and your product behind <laughs> it's tied to the land and I ended up at um, another point of transition in my life, and, um, and actually, this is an important part of the story, and I, 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 and I say this with some joking to it, but I'm actually completely legit here when I say this. I, I want you to feel a little sorry for me <laughs> because I moved from selling luxury real estate in South Florida, so paint the picture in your mind's eye of palm trees and beautiful sunrises and sunsets and warmth all the good things that come with south florida and then i want you to know that i moved across the country to northwest indiana (laughs) now um, nothing against my beautiful friends from the midwest but y'all know even if you've lived there your whole life that your weather is awful (laughs) yeah (laughs) for for much of the year big change that's a big drastical change yes it was a very, very big change, not only in culture, a beautiful culture that I was introduced to, but it is different and, um, and weather. But also what I did, luxury premium property that sits on an oceanfront, it literally doesn't exist in Northwest Indiana. There's no ocean there. So it wasn't like I could just continue in doing what I had done in my career. I really was at a place where I had to reinvent myself. And, and it felt like I had to reinvent myself for the second time, because the first time was stay-at-home mom for 10 years, student, that was my first sort of iteration of Bevan. Second iteration was, of Bevan was professional salesperson selling luxury real estate. Now who was this third version of Bevan that I needed to step into, because I, I honestly had no choice. And, and if I'm staying in the space of honesty, um, I found myself kind of feeling little sorry for myself sitting in northwest indiana like i gotta do this again and i have to reinvent myself again uh and so it's actually an important point to, to to pause for a minute and just share a little bit more about me there are kind of two parts of how i approach life one side is as an uber nerdy researcher. I love to research best practices by those who have come before and by those who have proven themselves through their practice or their research. And then I bring it online for myself. So that's one part of it. The other part of myself is I'm an entrepreneur and I I know that I learn by doing and I like to get into action. I like to literally put my body into action and I'd much rather take a step forward and have that be a mistake than stand on the sidelines to get my game plan perfect and then go forward. So I always say like these two sides of Bevan are constantly in a dance. (laughs) Sometimes a wrestling match, but, but I prefer to call it more of like a dance. And sometimes the nerdy researcher leads and then sometimes the daring, brave entrepreneur leads and they kind of take turns on, on leading. And so When I was in Northwest Indiana trying to figure out who I was gonna be next, like there was this dance or this wrestling match that was happening where the nerdy researcher was like, let's read lots of books about what women do in times of transition so I know what I'm supposed to do next. And then the the brave entrepreneur was, you gotta just go do something sister. Let's just get out of this house, just go do something, figure out your next by going out and doing something. So that actually ended up taking me to um, across the country to attend an amazing conference. And I do love to promote this conference because it really was what helped me discover my next. It's called I Relaunch. And at the time, there was just one annual conference in New York City. So I flew from Chicago to New York City to NYU. Uh, at the time, I was at NYU School, uh, Stern School of Business. Went by myself, didn't know anyone, kind of scared. But that brave entrepreneur was like, you just got to go do it. Um, And it was there at the lunchtime keynote speaker that I met who would become my CEO for the third chapter of Bevan, where I was, um, once we met, I was invited to become a part of the founding team of a company that literally changed my life where two weeks later, I flew to Boston. We sat at a kitchen table with, with the CEO who I ended up meeting at the conference. And, uh, and, and we started dreaming about what we were gonna build. And, and I was given this very privileged seat at the table to be a part of that. And uh, over the next eight years, this is taking us to current day now, eight years, um, I had the opportunity to be the head, uh, um, a chief growth officer, which really had two roles within the company. One is I stood up our sales function, so acted like a head of sales and recruited, trained, and uh, supported all of our sales staff in uh, learning how to sell our products, which is women's clothing, learning how to merchandise and sell our product, and then also build a sustainable business. And then the other part that I built up, uh, that I stood up was our L&D function, our learning and development function, which internally facing was to build our leadership development program, and then externally facing, which is really why you and I ended up meeting externally facing was to um, go across the country, giving keynote talks and workshops in the space of personal and professional development. And um, and before pandemic that took me on the road 70% of the time delivering 200 plus presentations a year. And, and this is a good time now for me to pause for a moment because um, we definitely need to integrate in another story into this this larger story. We kind of have focused on the professional journey that has personal components, right? We moved across the country because of a marriage, and, and I and I and I left school because of children. So those are there are personal things that got woven in. But there's one more very important personal story, which is um, and which you uh, were able to hear during that particular keynote, which is. Three years ago, uh, over Memorial Day weekend, one of my four children, so my second child, my oldest boy, who was 20 at the time, um, went out on a boat with his uh, friend, his on again, off again, romantic interest. And, um, and they were both lost at sea. And my son was, um, his body was recovered 13 days later, and his friend's body was never found. And so um, I am a mother who has lost a child. And what happened after my six-week bereavement leave to come back and take a role, a very public role in a company, I had to learn how to step into this conversation that nobody wants to have because nobody knew how to receive me. I mean, how do you welcome back the head of your division or your sales leader or who, whoever I was to the people within my organization, how do you welcome me back after, for most people, what is the worst thing they can imagine in their mind's eye? If you've had a child, like most people would say losing your child is the number one um, scariest prospect that you can think of in your lifetime, most painful prospect, and, and they would be right. And... Um, So I had to kind of take that nerdy researcher side of me and start to, instead of read books out there because they don't exist, there's no book that's titled, here's how you go back to work after you've lost a child, or here's how you receive somebody Mm -hmm. after you, you know, after you know, they've lost a child, there's, that doesn't exist. So I had to start seeing myself and my own experience. Mm -hmm. And um, through that process, I started to begin to speak on loss and I began to write about loss because what I learned was uh, we don't know how to talk about loss because nobody talks about loss. And what? if we don't talk about it, we don't learn the words, we don't learn the ways. And then, and this is ultimately to me, what is the, the tragedy, the tragedy on top of the tragedy is that the person who is what I call the loss traveler. So the person who has lost someone whom they loved Ends up walking alone because people are so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing, or um, or they're going to talk to the person at the wrong time, that they default into stepping back and 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 not stepping forward. The, the, the risk of making a mistake feels scarier mm-hmm. than the risk of stepping back and not offering support. Even though those surrounding me, I knew, wanted to step in and offer me support, I could literally feel them stepping back because they had just no idea what to say or what to do. Yes. So it um, comes full circle that that I have um, begun to integrate the work of learning how to talk about hardship, not just death. That's That's the sort of the the, the deepest kernel of hardship that that most of us will face in our lifetime, but we're all lost travelers, and mm-hmm. um, everyone has lost. It's just a universal condition. Particularly in the aftermath of pandemic, I mean, we've lost almost two years of social, in a, a nor, normal, healthy social interaction, and there's a grieving and a loss that goes along with that for ourselves and for our children and for those whom we love, and. Um, and, and so it's become a part of why I speak and, um, and why I was excited to talk to you is because I really believe that this conversation around loss needs to have a light um, uh, shined on it so that we learn how to meet each other in this space of pain so that someone who is on a lost journey doesn't have to walk alone.
1: I think... I mean, let's let's take a moment and like absorb all of it in, right? Yeah. Because it is so true. We do walk on eggshells every time that someone around us or ourselves have experienced the loss. And we don't know what to say, when to say it, how to say it. We we kind of put people in this glass box right because we think that they cannot manage it but we really don't know if they really want to talk about it they don't want to talk about it and we don't ask so you mentioned this when we were having an offline conversation you know it is not about doing all the right things but actually asking how do you want me right to handle it right like how do you want me to step forward with you right because we don't want you to stay in that circle and just you know going over and over and over the same experience and the same things we we need to take responsibility on bringing these individuals forward but again nobody teaches that so are you able to explain to us a little bit, how do you, not only you know were you able to step forward, but how are you helping others step forward in, in teaching other individuals how to help others to step forward?
0: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that question. Um, yeah, so let me just start where, where you were when not knowing the right thing to say or the right thing to do and the place of asking the person, what can I do? Uh, most of the time when you ask a broad question, like what can I do or what can I say? The person who is in pain will say, I don't know because that is true, they just don't know. Um, and if you ask a specific question in permission of stepping into the conversation, that is something that someone can re- respond to. So, so what I usually offer is, um, ask permission to go into the space and and ask the question in a way that is quite simple for the person to actually decline. But the reason why this is important is I would much rather have somebody ask me and let me decline than just stand on the sidelines and be quiet. So what it can sound like is somebody reaching out to me and saying, And these are very real examples. Um, We're on a holiday right now. We're coming up on a holiday for many people that that many people celebrate. Holidays are hard for people walking lost journeys. So someone to reach out to me to say, hey, Bevan, or we're in a, even we're in person, you and I, maybe we're having coffee, and you say, hey, I know holidays can be hard for you. Um, Do you want to do something different this year to acknowledge Spencer, you just ask a very specific question. And, and I might in the moment say no, but I might come back a week later and say, actually, you know what? I would. And here's what I'd like to do. And so, what's important in that little tiny example is to be specific in the idea you're putting forward, either about a conversation or a doing. And also, and I don't know if you, if you heard this, but I used my son's name. One of the biggest um, Missed opportunities, when people engage with lost travelers, is leaving the name out. And people want to hear the name of their loved one. They want to speak the name of their loved one, and they want to hear the name of their loved one. So it's much more meaningful to me if you say, do you want to do something to acknowledge Spencer than do you want to do something to acknowledge your son? There's just a massive difference. Mm
1: -hmm. It's, so, intentional. <clears throat> it's
0: intentional. It's intentional. Mm-hmm. It's intentional and it's speaking the name and there's just power in speaking the name. There's power in naming our pain and, yeah. and you love the person who you have lost and also they are the point of pain. So we need to speak their names in, in my learning and in my interactions with um, men and women who have lost those whom they love and not just children, spouses, parents, Speaking names, siblings, speaking names are are incredibly important. So that's one thing. Um, The other thing that is, uh, it's a similar theme in terms of specificity or how we ask questions and big giant questions are just hard for lost travelers to answer, but it's, um, but a way to go around it is a little bit different, sort of the solution that I would give on this, one is a little different. So... um, if you'll notice, so so our listeners may recall and you may recall the way that we opened up the conversation. And you asked me, How are you? And mm-hmm. if you'll recall, I didn't answer you on point for how I was. What I said was, I'm, I can't even remember. Either I said I'm I'm excited to be here or I'm looking forward to our conversation, or I'm grateful to be here is actually what I think I said. I I'm grateful do, yeah. to be here. One of the most difficult questions that a lost traveler faces is, how are you? Mm -hmm. And that is because when you're standing in a point of pain, when someone asks, how are you? It is not a greeting. Most of the time, it still may be intended as a greeting, you may have intended that as a greeting, Mm -hmm. but a lost traveler always hears it as a question for an assessment about where they are on their lost journey. Got and it. most of the time, we have no idea where we are. So I can't tell you whether I'm good or bad or, or um, sad or happy. Or I've felt 18 emotions like right before meeting you. And I don't know which one I should run with in my answer. So that's one thing. But it also can sometimes feel like I'm being asked to make a judgment on where I am in my healing. And I know that's not what anyone's intending in that moment of, hi, how are you? But there's just something about how lost travelers receive that question that it's like, I, I can't answer that for you. I just can't. And, and by the way, if I'm in a really dark place of pain, you probably don't want me to answer it honestly because you might just be having a two second hello with me. And what if I came back with, today was a really dark, dark day of suffering where I sat in my bed and curled in the fetal position and cried for three hours. If you are prepared for an answer like that, you're not gonna sh- know what to do with it. right? So for what I offer in in place of this is that if, if it truly is a greeting, then I think we should stick with greeting one another. I, in fact, might possibly make it part of my mission in life to excise the hi, how are you greeting from a <laughs> lexicon. <laughs> because it's, I feel like it's kind of an empty greeting. It's just like, it doesn't have any meaning anymore, but we're actually asking an important question. So what I like to say instead in points of greeting is, hi, I'm so happy to see you. Because that's actually what we mean when we're greeting someone. I am so happy to see you. or I'm so grateful to see you. or I'm so excited to see you. That's a greeting. And for me, if you if you say that to me or anybody says that to me and I'm a lost traveler having a bad day, that just feels good. It feels so much different than saying, how are you?
1: Yeah. But I even even think I even think that um, like when you just said that on my mind, it went the same thing. I'm so excited to be here. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, With you, because you're taking from your time to be here with me. Right. But. You are so right. Sometimes that how are you question is so shallow. It's so, it's, so shallow. But, and is. I wonder, not just for a lost traveler, but for anyone. Um, for anyone. It just be me like a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I always say, if you really want to greet
0: someone, drop yeah. them hi, how are you? And just say, I'm so excited to see you. Now, if you do have a relationship with a lost traveler, and you are ready to be in a place to receive an answer, a hard answer, or, or, or just sit beside that person in their pain. Mm-hmm. I still say, don't ask, how are you? What I like to say instead is, I've really been thinking about you. Mm. That lets the lost traveler know that it is not a greeting space that they're in. They're actually in more of a, I'm thinking about you. And if I am, as a lost traveler, emotionally prepared and ready to talk about what might be difficult, you've just opened the door for me to feel safe to do it. But if I I don't have the energy today, I don't have the desire, I don't want to, it's a very easy one to decline by saying Uh thank you. So that's what I'm saying. Ask lost travelers questions. That if they are emotionally prepared to go there, you have opened the door for them and they know they're not alone. But if they don't have the ability to go there today, they can gracefully decline and also know that you're there for them and they're not walking alone. The language, the phrases, even the um, intonation of our voices makes such a difference for someone walking a lost journey to feel embraced, held, seen and not alone.
1: Yeah. So how do we embrace external relationships that are probably not, you know, as close as your 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 cousin, your brother, your sister, right? Like you cannot really teach these people that you don't interact on a daily basis how to really you know greet you or treat you you know because you might work in a corporation that it's a hundred people and you cannot sit down one-on-one with each one of them. so how how do we you know, embed that into our culture where everybody, Maybe it's not feeling comfortable, but everybody can approach this on a different, on a different level without feeling guilty or, you know, feeling that they are stepping any boundaries with, you know, their coworkers or, you know, any bond that it's a a, a, a friend of a friend, right? Like it mm-hmm. happens so many times. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how were you able to do that, you know, at, at work? and with outside relationships
0: um yeah so it's a big question my first answer is by having conversations like this
1: Mm. by
0: having more public conversations about the things that we shut away in the dark that's the number one way that we will move forward on being more comfortable around these conversations so I'm deeply grateful to you. That's, that's exactly why um, I shared that at the beginning. I'm deeply grateful for the opportunity to, to share the knowledge. Um, the second thing that I would say is in the situations where uh, if you don't know about somebody's lost journey, then you don't know and, and there's nothing you can do about that. But if you do know, don't pretend you don't know. Yeah. The pretending is where we live in these two sides of ourselves where one is inauthentic and i truly believe that authenticity is one of the most important aspects of building relationships in our personal and professional lives and authenticity and vulnerability doesn't mean that you you know open up and barf your story and all down to the tiniest details on everyone that's not what authenticity or vulnerability is but it but it is about acknowledging what you know to be true and not shoving things under the carpet so so what I mean by this is when I came back to work um, and I didn't have a we had thousands of people working for us. I didn't have a chance to have one-on-one conversations with people but uh, when I would be in a meeting with say 15 home office staff running maybe a strategy meeting and one of the things that happens for a lost traveler is that their attention span is is very short. You're 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 it's very hard to concentrate, particularly in the early days or just when you're in harder periods of grief. Grief is is sort of a, a cognitive blocker. Yeah. And so um what I gave myself permission to do in those moments when I'd be in a strategy meeting and all of a sudden my brain felt like molasses goo that couldn't process things, is I actually would say, when it came my turn to, you know, when I knew people were turning to look at the head of sales for yeah. you know, <laughs> either stamp of approval on the strategy or to contribute to what's being put out there as a strategy, I would say, um, I have to be honest with you, today is a hard day. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, this is just a harder day where my energy is not where I would want it to be. And I'm going to take a little bit of a backseat in this meeting. And I'm gonna go ahead and come back with my thoughts in a day or two when the sludge in my brain kind of clears up a bit. And so it wasn't like I went into, I'm in this place of pain because I'm imagining the last moments of my son's life and I can't, I'm not going into the details of actually what is happening inside Mm -hmm. my head, but I am being authentic and vulnerable in a moment to speak my truth to say, hey, I can't be who you need to be right now. I can in a day or two but right now my grief is just pulling me under and I and I can't meaningfully contribute so I'm going to be here to the best of my ability and I will loop back with what you need from me in a day or two and I think those are the kinds of conversations that we need to be willing to have in the workplace or in our personal lives you know if you have a, a a, a relationship with someone that you're, um, even if you're super close with them, and and they want you to do something, an activity, and you say yes a week ago, but then the day of, all of a sudden you're like, I can't do it. I don't have the energy. I can't go do that dinner party my best friend Jane invited me to do. You have to give yourself permission to pick up the phone and say, Hey Jane, the last thing I want to do is cancel right now, but also I don't want to show up and be less than who. I know I can be for you at this dinner party. And in fact, I might even detract from the energy of positive celebration. So I need to take a pass on tonight. And what I'd love to do instead is maybe just meet for coffee in a couple of days, just you and me, because that's the energy that I have today. It's that, giving ourselves permission to just go into those places of authenticity authenticity and vulnerability without, you know, you don't have to go into the nitty gritty details that are swimming inside your head. So that helps to move this, this conversation forward. So, don't pretend that you don't know what's um, going on in people's lives, and um, and and give yourself permission to speak your truth in in the moments where you need to.
1: Yeah. Now, you gave yourself yourself permission to speak that truth, and even though you know this was a big part of your turning point on your story there are so many other things that also happened following to that Mm -hmm. that it is incredible how have you been able to you know succeed and and push forward and be this I will say I I might not this might not be the right word but I see you like as as this icon and fighter for those that you know, experience pain in the darkness, right? You bring that light into that darkness because you are providing tools in order to get out there and just continue, move on. You can't, you can do it, right? This, you're the person that is telling them you can do it, and I need you to help me do it too, right? Like it's, it's offering the help and 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 receiving the help as well. So, how have you? you know, dealt with the judgment, right? Unfortunately, our society has this judgmental side to them. And even though sometimes those boundaries are respected, some people really can cross that line, right? And with you holding, you know, these Position at the company, and then having a couple more things happening after that. How have you been able to overcome and empower yourself and others to let go of that judgment and embrace, embrace, you know, that permission that you give yourself every single day? I know that's a very loaded question. And I told you, it's <laughs> a loaded one. <laughs> this was, this was great. We, were, we didn't plan for this, we were just, we just say this is gonna be yep. organic, right? Yeah. Yep. But I have that question on my head yeah. because I, I just, I just don't know because I tend to be dodgy when I'm like, I just don't know how she does it, right? Like that's judgmental. Even though it's not with the bad intention, it right. is judgmental. So right. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, such a good question.
0: Um. The top line answer is you deal with other people's judgment by dealing with your own first. And it's your own judgment of yourself and about whether, and putting it in the lost language world but this applies beyond, you know, am I grieving right? Am I, is it okay to talk about this? Is it okay to ask about that? Um, Am I feeling enough pain? Is it okay to feel this joy? I shouldn't feel this sad. I shouldn't feel anger. It's all these voices inside of our heads that judge us. And the only way that we can find peace with the judgments of others is by first finding peace with our own judgment of ourselves. And for me, um, I ran away from that for a long time. And in fact, I ran away from it, my own self-judgment through uh, medicating with work. So a lot of people who are in places of pain, self-medicate with things like alcohol, drugs, sex, Netflix, food, you know, lots of numbing devices out there. For me, my numbing device became work because I loved my work. Um, And you can tell yourself a really great story that, oh, I'm not doing anything bad by avoiding my pain. I'm doing really important things and avoiding my pain. I'm working and I love my work and the world needs my work. And so you can tell yourself this really great story that you're not doing something um, wrong by avoiding your pain. And that approach of avoiding my own judgment, avoiding my own pain, really worked for me for the for the for the first two and a half years after spencer died and um and one of the pieces that you alluded to is also my marriage ended after spencer died my 23 year marriage ended um yeah actually spencer's death date is actually the 23rd anniversary of my wedding i don't know if we ever talked about that so his date is a pretty um meaningful uh day and in more ways than one. And so, um, so I numbed myself all over through doing this important work for the world, but not doing the important work for myself. And um, about a year ago, actually, after, after Christmas a year ago, um, I woke up one morning and uh, and it was one of these pinnacle moments that I will never forget how it felt, not just even what I was like the moment, but literally how it felt, where uh, I couldn't breathe, I couldn't turn over in bed, I couldn't think, I couldn't. It was almost like I just wasn't even me. And, uh, and I remember laying there in bed, and I'm a very high-energy person, <laughs> yeah. and I remember laying there in bed feeling completely disoriented, and um, it was actually quite frightening. And I, and I thought to myself, like, what is happening? Like, What's going on? What, what is this? And in that moment, I, I heard a, a a voice. I sometimes joke. It wasn't the voice of God. It was the voice of my CEO.
1: (laughs) You think like, oh, the voice of God. (laughs) But
0: But it was something that she had said to me um, at different points in my career. And she's been an amazing mentor and guide to me uh, on my journey of entrepreneurship and leadership and, and the voice. The phrase that I heard was, Bevan, what got you here isn't going to get you there. And I just kept replaying that in my head. What got me here isn't going to get me there. Like, yeah. Okay. I survived the last two and a half years. Yeah. Myself with work and that worked. And today my body, my mind, my spirit, my emotions are telling me it's not going to get you where you need to go. hmm so um, I picked up the phone that day and I called my CEO and I said, I have no idea what's happening, but I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I think I need a sabbatical. And she said, Okay, how long? And I said, I don't know, but I don't think it's a month or two. I think it might be six months. And she said, Okay, can we have six weeks to plan your six month sabbatical? And I was like, yes. <laughs> was like, I don't think you could just leave tomorrow. I was like, Okay. Yeah. And uh, so we did the arrangements. We did the backfilling fill- and the hiring and you know decided what would just go on pause months. But, but here's the important part. And this is, this is really where your question um, goes is that by taking the breaks from the work that had numbed my pain, I was finally able to feel all of my pain. Mm. And in learning how to feel my pain, I also learned how to not judge myself for what I was feeling. And I let all of the emotions come in, even the ugly, nasty ones that I didn't want to own, like resentment, like Mm -hmm. anger, like sadness. Like I didn't even really... I, of course, allowed myself to be sad in the earliest days after we lost Spencer, but once I came back to work, the times that I really, really let myself go down into the depths of the cave of suffering, there were very few and far between. In fact, I, I used to call it, I would drop by as a visitor to my pain anytime I would sit and write. But then once my writing was finished, I would pull myself right out of it and it was like, just going along. I don't wanna feel that pain. I don't wanna feel that suffering. And, you know, the number one tool that helped me to not judge my feelings was meditation. I began a meditation practice and, um, and there's some uh, incredibly important work in radical acceptance and in self-compassion that come out of the world of meditation. And that fundamentally changed how I was able to see myself and no longer judge myself. And I learned that part of being a lost traveler, it's not about getting the pain to go away because it really actually doesn't go away. What it's about is learning how to hold it beside the joy. So I can hold my pain beside my joy. I can hold my suffering beside my happiness. I can hold my resentment Yeah, it's okay to have that beside my fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it's learning how to hold the duality of being a lost traveler that then stops the self-judgment. And then when you aren't judging yourself, no longer does the judgment of others hold the power over you. And it gives you more of a freedom to walk forward on your healing journey the way that you need to do so.
1: i have no words for that i i just i think we even even if you're not a lost traveler we all struggle to keep that balance right we all struggle to find that harmony that creates actually what it's meant to be happiness we kind of you know, as humans find moments of happiness by buying these things or experiencing that other, or, you know, uh, eating this thing or traveling somewhere, but those are moments. Mm-hmm. The act of being able to balance everything that's you're feeling that's right and everything that you're feeling that that is right too, but you know, for others, might might be wrong. I think all of us need to do that journey. All of us need to experience that journey. And one way or another, correct me if I'm wrong, but your loss doesn't have to be as deep or as traumatic, right? Because every day. We experience loss one way or another. So yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Learning it's how so,
1: that path is it's an incredible journey. I don't think it's, it's ever ending.
0: No, it's never ending. And that's a really important point. And 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 going back to the concept of there's always pain. Our job as lost travelers, or our job as someone in pain is not to make the pain go away. It's to learn how to hold it. And, um, there's so much that I'm grateful for that comes out of the work of others who Mm -hmm. are, uh, meditation teachers, who are yoga teachers, who are therapists, who Mm -hmm. are social science researchers, who have shed a light on practices and shifts uh, that, that I have been as the so the nerdy researcher pulls that all in. And then as the experiential you know, entrepreneur, then I start trying it and, and yeah. I try the things and then the things that, that, that seem to work for me, um, then, or that do work for me, then I have the privilege of having conversations just like this to share out and say, hey, this is what has helped me. Mm-hmm. It, it may or may not help you. But the most important thing is that we're having a conversation about loss because as you said, the loss doesn't have to be a multi-layered, dynamic, terribly tragic loss yeah. to count. There are times when I'm talking with people and they'll almost apologize to me when they're coming forward with a story of pain and say, well, it's not, you know, it's not like I lost a child. It's, it's, and then, and then they bring forward what their story of pain is. And here's what's so important. And it's, it's sometimes hard for people to grasp, but I really believe this. Everyone has had a deepest point of pain to this point in their lives. And whatever has been the most painful for you to this point has been the most painful. And it's real. And there's no reason for us to compare between the two because my deepest point of pain is the same as your deepest point of pain in terms of how much it hurts us because that's all we know. And then if you have a deeper layer of pain, well, then your definition gets deeper, but it doesn't have to, in terms of needing to give ourselves permission to talk about it and also give ourselves permission to start to explore with things that could help us navigate our loss journeys better. So loss, and by the way, when I say loss, let's just get really clear here. Divorce is a massive loss. Better than 50% of our country is divorced. We are walking terrible loss journeys in a place of divorce. And even if you weren't married, if it's a long-term relationship that ended, it's lost. When we lose our pets who have been there with unconditional love for years, that's mm-hmm. a very painful loss that we need to grieve. Uh, when we lose a job, that's a painful loss that we need to grieve. When we move across the country and leave our families behind, Again, these are all points of painful loss that we don't just gloss over and say, well, you know, pull on your big girl panties and just suck it up because that's the way life works. Okay, and like acknowledge that it hurts right? and start to develop the ability to hold pain beside joy because that is what I believe makes for the wholehearted living that allows us to live in our whole person instead of, divorcing out or dividing out a part of ourselves that we don't like or that we don't want to experience at take it from me that only works for so long at some yeah. point that pain comes home to roost and you don't want it to come home and sit on your chest like it did for me that morning when i just couldn't move and all of a sudden it's like i i'm non-functional now because i've ignored this for so yeah. long
1: yeah i read something the other day and these might not be the exact words because i am terrible at remembering who wrote it and names but I read something the other day that says not because I've moved on means that sometimes doesn't hurt mm-hmm. and I think that is so true like mm-hmm. I I had a loss and it's not about relationships it's not it's not well I will say it's a relationship but it's it wasn't like you know my husband or 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 anyone that lived with me, but a year and a half ago, or almost, I think it's going to be almost two years now, um, I had to leave my job where I thought I was going to be forever in. I love the people. I have, you know, hired most of them. I had close relationships. I have seen, you know, the owner's kids being born. Like, I never thought I was going to leave. Never, ever, right? That was my baby. And two years later, I still think of that moment that I handed my resignation and how it was received. And it hurts, it hurts so much. And it took me a while to kind of like get over that because it affected every single relationship after that that I have with anyone that I wanna work with, right? because I didn't trust it or I I didn't open up because I didn't think it was going to work or, you know, am I going to go through the same process again? Like it creates all these doubts and that was not a personal loss, but in that process, I lost eight years of my life, right? I lost very important relationships that were key to my day to day so I I do think that you know they are not scenarios or situations that are more powerful than others I think we all go through different you know experiences that make us understand what that journey is going to look like or what is the journey that you have or the path that you have to follow in order Mm -hmm. to you know get better but every journey is a little bit different and it's your own so don't compare your journey with others because i don't think that's you know that's the only way that we can avoid the total you know judgmental zone right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bevan thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today i have one last question for you uh maybe (laughs) maybe maybe no i promise there are good questions and very simple okay. ones that have yes. i don't don't have to have a deep deep conversation but um okay the last the last uh, you know meaningful question i have is what message of empowerment can you give um to all of us lost travelers out there oh that's a big
0: one Message of empowerment. Oh, I guess the 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 place where my own healing really began was when I gave myself permission. And you'll notice that's a theme throughout giving yourself permission is when once I took sabbatical when I gave myself permission to just Be to just be and being is different than meditating. When I say be, I mean just sit and be without an agenda, without something I'm supposed to be doing and just feel my body in space, sense my emotions in my body let the thoughts run through my head without trying to control them or judge them or think about them and it and, and it sounds similar to meditation but it's not it's just being in a space and being comfortable with the quiet and being comfortable without a constant to do agenda driving in the background i am in my core being an an executor. I love to go out and perform and do. And if you tell me, Bevan, I need you to do this, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to raise you one because that made me feel good. It made me feel important. It made me feel valued. And when I had to stop living in that modality of constant execution and motion, physically motion, there was just the next level of awareness Mm -hmm. who I am what I'm experiencing and that awareness then help to inform how do I move forward from here Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and and I think this is a really important concept to go back to what you said move on there's a wonderful woman who has a podcast called terrible thanks for asking which is about lost journeys and and her first name is Nora and she gave one of the I believe most viewed TED Talks, if not, she's very, very high on on the TED Talks about about loss. And what she says is it's really important for us to acknowledge that lost travelers are not moving on. They're just figuring out ways to move forward. And there's a big difference between moving on because that feels like you're done with that, you're sealed and it's behind you. Moving forward is I'm actually carrying this with me for the rest of my life and I'm learning how to move forward. And so empower yourself. By actually letting yourself just be and Uh don't fill that silent still space with activity to make yourself feel like you're doing something important because in the state of being, that's actually the most important thing for you to do for yourself then. Get comfortable with being
1: quiet.
0: Then you get the awareness and the awareness then helps to inform the best way for you to move forward.
1: That's amazing. You just taught me another thing. Don't move on. Move forward. Move forward. All right. I'm gonna recap a couple things. We, <laughs> you okay. know, don't move on. Move forward. Don't ask how are you. Just be grateful for being there and just express your gratitude towards being with that with that person. And overall, I think it's give not just yourself but others permission to feel comfortable about you know asking not how you're doing today but how do you want me to be in your life right like what what do you want me what role do you want me to play and and have that conversation and then be intentional be intentional with you know everything and anything around you and the people around you. I think we forget so much um, about the importance of just being, being there. I I think if I were to take a self-assessment, I have been being for a very long time, not with just myself, but with my daughter, with my husband, with my parents. Any, anyone around me I haven't been I just been doing but I haven't been so thank you for all the amazing lessons that you just You're thought about today and I thank hope you for having me everyone listening uh, learn as as much and different things as I as I did because it's it's such an eye opener right like sometimes we don't even know what we're saying and how they actually affect others so, yeah.
0: words matter. Words are, yeah. are a
1: powerful pathway for connection and they matter. They are. So, if our listeners were to be, uh, you know, very good readers and invested readers, what are some of the books you would recommend them to read oh, today? Such a good
0: question. I always say for someone beginning um, this space of introspection, Uh, the book that I think is the easiest starting place because it's hysterical. It is so well-written and the, and the content content is rich, but it's very approachable because there's so much humor that kind of opens up the pathway. Yeah, The book called 10% Happier by Dan Harris, 10% Happier by Dan Harris is a great place to begin this exploration. Uh Then if you're ready to go deeper, um, Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock she's a meditation teacher and also a a therapist. She, um, that is a profound learning Mm -hmm. is radical acceptance. Um, the next place that I might offer for you to go is, um, Corey mascara is an excellent meditation teacher as well. And he has a book called, um, oh gosh, it's not stop, uh, how to stop living your life, mm, start living your life. Ah, I've got the title wrong, but, um, it is an excellent book on similar types of thoughts and his approach is, is um, kind of beautiful how he just unfolds it. And I also love his Instagram also Corey mascara. Uh, he was a former monk that then um, Ooh. became a meditation teacher. So his story is just interesting. And, and I think yeah. he just makes the work super approachable. So, um, that is uh, Corey mascara and then anything by Brene Brown is excellent she has a brand new book out yet that I have not read yet but um, uh, she has you know daring leadership which is dare to lead which is uh, leadership through the lens of vulnerability and, and wholehearted she has books on shame yeah. um, and vulnerability so anything by Brene Brown is a, a powerful place to go and also I'll um, I'll Throw, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'm sorting through my head in real time if there are any other ones. You know, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more memoir style, a little less um, academic and a little bit more memoir style, Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, is excellent. Now, she's pulling her own personal story, but she's, she's talking about learnings along the way of her own journey of self-discovery. And so if you're looking for something that reads a little bit more like a novel, um, I would I would highly encourage you to do Untamed and and basically what I say is that anything that leads you to a place to ask more questions about yourself, to sit and be with yourself, that's valuable and that's serving a purpose in your life. And so look for Instagram feeds that make you go, huh. Uh, look for books that make you go, huh. And then spend some and don't just like sit in that huh for the 10 seconds that we usually allow ourselves to do, sit in a little bit more and ask yourself a question like, why am I saying, huh, right now? And Mm -hmm. see what comes out of that because that is the practice of developing self-awareness that I believe is so incredibly important in the healing process. And frankly, to again, blow it beyond that, in the process of bringing the best version of yourself to the world
1: that's amazing thank you for all the tips and so funny you said on team because my husband gave me that for my birthday uh last year so um it's one that i had to put it down and kind of um i was like ah i'll read you a little bit later i don't think i'm ready for this yet (laughs) and i had to i had to like restart it like a couple months after um, because oh, you know, so- I,
0: sorry, I have to say one more, um, Kristen Neff's book on self-compassion. So Dr. Kristen Neff on self-compassion. That's another one that I wanna make sure I throw in there. It's again, a little bit more on the academic side, but she does a great job weaving in case studies to, to to make her points and her own story of, of nice. having to learn self-compassion for herself. So that's another excellent one that I'd put right into that mix right there.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Bevan, thank you so much for being here today really appreciate your time, which is extremely important and your kindness and, and just your whole self. I mean, I think, um, you know, I admire you for everything you do, but I, I mostly, you know, admire you for wanting to have genuine conversations about, you know, what it means to get here um, and how, how to deal with you know these all these external factors that we don't have control of so I appreciate your time and thank you this was such an amazing conversation
0: thank you I'm grateful you invited me
1: life is meant to be fun you're not hurting anyone nobody loses let the music make you free be what you want to be, make no excuses. I appreciate you listening today. Remember that it is your reaction to adversity, not adversity itself, that determines how your life story will develop. Now it is the time to do something meaningful and impactful with your story. Help empower others or empower yourself to break that glass ceiling that holds you back. Don't forget to visit our website to learn more about our guests from today and connect with us on LinkedIn and Instagram. My name is Monica Dwani, and I cannot wait to see you transcend.